This is Conversations, episode 520, a conversation with Alex Sinclair. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 520. It's our conversation with Alex Sinclair. Alex is the acclaimed colorist behind a lot of great books, but uh, you might know him especially for his collaboration with Jim Lee, as well as uh, doing the colors and the covers of 52 and a lot of other projects. He's an extremely talented and amazing colorist, and we recently sat down and had a conversation about his career in comics, his partnership with Jim Lee and Scott Williams, amongst uh, many other things. Uh, at times, unfortunately, the connection uh, went in and out a little bit, so at times in my be a little harder to understand or um maybe a little bit of delay in uh in the audio but uh if you bear with us it uh it is a good interview i at least think so but i'm a little biased um i think um, alex had a lot of really interesting things to say and really fascinating insights and it was really exciting to be able to sit down and talk to him about some of his books um which have just you know been he's been worked on some really big books and and, and colored over some amazing artists uh, jim lee um Neil Adams and many other, J.G. Jones. And so uh, there's been a lot of great stuff he's colored, and it was interesting to kind of talk about his process, uh, again, how he got into the industry, how he kind of, um, you know, it's interesting talking to him and someone like Richard Eisenhoff, um that were kind of at the forefront of the kind of digital revolution of colors uh, and kind of finding out what it was like at the beginning. Uh, so I hope you really enjoy this interview. Um, next week's episode, we're our spotlight on the Thor Ragnarok film, and then we have upcoming interviews with Joe Casey, um, got an episode coming up with uh well a, f- a few few other people uh, ed brisson the current writer of iron fist uh we're gonna have Corey saddlemeyer on the show which i'm really excited about he's uh, one of the main collection editors at marvel uh, we also have uh gormu otherwise known as john red thomas coming back on the show soon so a lot of good stuff coming out in the next couple of months plus episodes focusing on justice league and star wars the last jedi so good content to look forward to for the rest of 2017 2018 i'm excited to uh get tim riley back on the show we're hopefully gonna look at continue our look at iron Iron Man in the Heroes Return era. We recently did an episode looking at the Heroes Return omnibus by um, Kurt Busiek and Sean Chen. And uh, during that episode, I kept telling him he had to read uh, the, the the next uh, little collection, uh, which is by Joe Gosada, and just telling him, a little, trying not to spoil it, but, but basically saying it's good, it's good. You got to give this a shot. So I'm excited to uh, talk to him about that, and that'll be in 2018. Uh, we're probably going to look at a few other omnibuses as well. So uh, I hope to kind of explore that a little bit more, kind of doing a little more of a deep dive into collections like that with a guest of some kind um so tim was gracious enough to to join already and i'm excited to have him back uh if you're listening and you're interested in an omnibus of some kind and you want to kind of do a deep dive let us know and we'll try and include it in the episode as well without further ado let's jump right into the episode as i sit down with alex and claire to talk about his career in comics enjoy alex welcome to the comic shenanigans podcast how are you doing today Doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, I've been excited to have you on for a while, so I'm uh, glad we were able to work out the scheduling, and uh, I'm glad to have you on the show. Happy to be here. So let's uh, let's let's wind the clock way back. Um, what uh, what first kind of got you into comics uh, as a reader, if anything? Uh, it was I think you know my brother is the person that really turned me into comics. Uh, we. We'd stop for gas, and he pulled me into the like the gas station, like, "Oh, check this out!" And we just bought like four or five comics, and that was it. I I was hooked. Would you remember what those comics were? The first book I ever bought was Detective Comics number four hundred. Nice. 
I believe. I think it was four hundred. Yeah, and and we bought like a I can't remember what other ones, but that that one really sticks in my mind. And and, and I picked it up because it was like a an anniversary special, so like an eight or something like that. Absolutely, no, those those were big chunky books. Those anniversary books. Yeah, and then, you know, it ended up having some great stories in it. And then, like I said, I was just hooked. And then after that, uh, we I actually grew up in northern Mexico. Um, and uh, we would make trips to uh, to uh, Tucson, Arizona. And we really would, would run across to, like, the Circle K and buy out, like, the comic book rack. And that was what <laughs> we spent our money on. So we'd buy, like, one of each. Uh, and then we'd go back and read them and draw them and reread them. Now, did you always have talent as an artist? Uh, I always enjoyed drawing. I really always liked drawing, and, and I was always kind of, I always gravitated towards drawing comic book stuff back then. Now, moving forward, how does how do you then approach entering the industry in the 90s? Like, how did that kind of come about, especially as a colorist? So, I think everyone who's a colorist or an inker initially wants to be a penciler. Uh, and in showing the portfolio around, uh, I, I was always getting critiqued on my pencils and my inks. Uh, and then every portfolio review ended with the phrase, but, but I really like your colors. Um, <laughs> so it, it took me a, a few, a few conventions to, to, to kind of catch on to the fact that, okay, so maybe, maybe penciling isn't my thing. Um, and right around then, uh, Wildstorm, or, well, it wasn't even Wildstorm back then, Homage Studios did a talent search ad in the back of Wildcats 2, and they called for writers and pencilers, inkers, colorists, everything. Uh, and I decided that I was just going to send in color stuff and use that to get my foot in the door and maybe get better and improve so I can be a penciler down the line or something like that, uh, you know, uh, I got a call from Jim referring me to Kudio. And, uh, sorry, we have a new puppy. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, uh, and, uh, and I came into the studio and, and basically when I had sent samples in, it was, it was right on the, on the time when digital coloring was just starting out. So, uh, all the color samples I sent were, were coded. Uh, as as the the old school coloring was was done with uh, with uh, coating the colors so that they they could then be separated. Uh, but Jim said, "Hey, you know, we're we're looking to do this digitally. Um, are you interested?" And I, you know, who's gonna say no? <laughs> what was it? Was it like kind of? And being... then I just I came in. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, what, what, what was it kind of like being at the, the forefront at that time of, you know, this pioneering these coloring techniques that were now digital as opposed to something that you knew how to do with the old color guides? Well, it, it, the funny thing was is that George Haida was in the studio and he was still creating color guides. And then I would take them in and then interpret what Joe had done on paper digitally. So try and, and, and replicate as best as I could what he had done in marker and pencil, uh, digitally. Uh, so it was, it, it, you know, 
I didn't realize it at the time that I was, you know, helping create a system for Wildstorm FX <laughs> down the line. Uh, I didn't realize what really it, you know, when people ask me, where, where, when, when did you get hired? I was like, I was kind of the first guy there. <laughs> um, so I guess, I guess I'm the first colorist, digital colorist for, for Wildstorm. And I really worked a lot with Johnny, who was the, the, the manager, the studio manager, uh, but he knew a lot about printed color. Uh, so it, it took, you know, me coming in as an artist and him as a print guy and both of us kind of meeting in Photoshop and saying, how are we going to make this work? How is this going to work? Uh, there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of shouting, a lot of crying, a lot of loving. And, <laughs> and, you know, a few years later, we we had the style, we had the look and we had the, the process down. How does it feel when you go back and kind of look at some of that early work, though? Like, do you, do you look at it and kind of cringe a little, or can you kind of still appreciate it for kind of the work in progress that it was? Uh, there's a little of the appreciation of, yeah, you know, that computer is slower than my cell phone is today. So uh, <laughs> there's some of that to it. But the, there's still stuff that I look at. I'm like, you know what? That, that cover still holds up, considering the technology and the limitations and and there's stuff that I look at, and I think it's like, how the hell did I get hired? <laughs> what, what were some of your, your kind of your favorite coloring jobs from those early days? Or anything that kind of sticks out in particular, or something that you're particularly proud of, or thought you did a pretty good job at? Um, I think the firsts, right? So, like my first full book was Union Number One, and 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 so it, it kind of holds a place in my career or you know a sentimental place because it was the first time the book got published and my name was on the book and, and uh, so that's one of them uh, my first Jim Lee cover was a Stormwatch 3 cover mm-hmm. uh, and that's one that Joe Chido didn't do a guide for so that was like my first first color job just me oh wow uh, uh, so there's that and then the first issue of Wildcats where it was an entire issue of interiors of, of Wildcats with, with Jim and Scott um doing the art and, and, and Joe and I doing the colors. And, and so those, those ones stick out. And then little things like getting to do death low was really cool. Cause he was one of my favorite characters, uh, being on the first issue of gen 13 with, with, with Campbell and Garner, uh, was really fun. Um, and then, you know, down the line, my first Batman book, my first, all this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, those are the ones that really stick out too. Because uh, those were the characters that I grew up reading and loving, and, and uh, seeing my name in the credits in the same page as Bob Kane was like, oh my god, that's you know, check that off the list. <laughs> what was it about? Um, like, what is it about you, Jim, and Scott that seems to work so well as a creative team together? Um, I think it's the fact that we we. We respect the collaborate the collaborative part of, of the process. Uh, uh, I, Scott can do with the inks and what I can do with the colors. So in his head, I think he sees it completed, and he pencils it to match uh, or to make not necessarily lives easier. But uh, I think then Scott, uh, they've worked for so long together that they just trust. Right? There's that trust. So Jim trusts that, that Scott is going to knock it out of the park and, and, and Scott trusts that Jim's going to 
take you know his time, his his limitations into account. Uh, and then they both trust me to come in and just kind of um, finish it off, uh, add, add what needs the piece needs to make it a, a stand-up piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I trust them that the that you know they'll give me something cool to work with. And they never they never fail on that. No. No, no, uh, when you guys did uh, Batman Hush together, I mean, when you guys were working on it, did, did you kind of have a feeling that it was something special that would be continued to kind of be talked about and reprinted for years and years to come? You know, we... I knew that it was something really, really cool. As a Batman fan, um, uh, Jim was working way ahead of schedule. I mean, he, he was... I think he was like on the eighth issue by the time the first one hit the stands. Oh, wow. Uh so what was great about it was that he had such an energy coming into the book um, that um, everything looked so cool that you couldn't help kick butt on it. <laughs> Doing so great, and Scott's coming in and killing it. And Jeff, Jeff really wrote a great story to Jim's strengths too, um, uh, and it was such a cool thing to kind of be part of that. That. I don't know. I think it was more of a. I'm so grateful that I get to be part of this. Just, I don't know if it's going to be hold out forever and ever, but it's looking really cool right now, and and I'm proud of the work that we're putting together. Uh, and you know, 15 years later, we're like, you know what? That was actually still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you speak about the collaborative process between you know the three of you. Um, Hush, in particular, I mean, you did such an amazing job on the colors on the on the flashback sequences. What was the discussion like about what the overall visual style would be of those sequences, as opposed to the regular kind of uh, present tense uh, sequences in the book? Um, that one was uh, it was it was weird because jim had said that he was going to he actually watercolored those oh did he okay um, and what's what was crazy is that he watercolored them in grays so he just he just washed them in, in ink and then i would take them and then i would colorize them uh and uh at some point i said i said dude i don't know why you know why aren't you doing this in color because you're good you're that good and i think Back then, he didn't feel that color was his, his uh, strength for him. Okay. But then uh, there's one piece that he did, did do in all color in the entire run, and it was a, a little shot of Batgirl looking back okay. over her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most gorgeous of all those flashback pieces. And, and, and you know, ironically, it's the one thing I didn't touch that Jim did. <laughs> that is a beautiful, beautiful piece. But yeah, that's yeah. kind of funny that it, it does stick out because of those, because everything else kind of had that really cool kind of washed out color to it. And that was the only one that really had that vibrancy of, which is kind of interesting because it's all about the idea of memory too, right? And of course that would be the one shot that Batman would really have that would sear it into his memory of this beautiful redhead looking back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and thankfully he, he actually did it and, and did it all in color. So when it came in, I just said, dude, this is gorgeous. I told you, <laughs> you should have just been doing it all along. <laughs> uh, but then he went back to, to, to black and white and I was coming in and doing different stuff with it, which was cool. Cause, uh, you know, as, as we were trying to figure out technology, it was one of those little challenges. Okay. How am I going to take grays and turning them into color, uh, using Photoshop and, and trying to figure out what the best way to do that would be. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that was a little bit of challenge, and, and 
So that was fun. And one of the other things that I did for Hush, once we had discussed what we were doing and what we wanted the look of the book to be, uh, I was actually watercoloring the backgrounds by hand. Oh, wow. So I would take the, the artboard and scan it, and then I would print it out reversed, and then I would lightbox it and then physically paint the backgrounds and then scan them back in and then do the, the characters and the special effects digitally. Wow. Uh, so I kind of did like an old school animation. And it was because back then with Photoshop, even with Painter, getting a nice kind of watercolor feel, the technology wasn't there yet. Um, especially in the first four or five issues. And then by like the time I got to issue eight or nine of the run, the new version of Photoshop came out and the, 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 uh, the brush engine was a lot more uh, advanced. So I was starting to fake out the watercolor stuff in here and there. Um, plus we were running out of time with the deadlines. Mm-hmm. So I had, to, I had to do some of that digitally. I actually have a question about the, the, the type of software do you use. Do you find when new versions come out, are you constantly upgrading right away, or do you get kind of used to like a, an older version and kind of use that as long as you possibly can? I only ask that because I recently spoke with uh, Richard Isenov, and he had joked that he, he used like an old version of Photoshop, I think three or something, for like far too long, and then finally um, it wasn't supported anymore, and he had to upgrade to a newer technology, and he had to kind of relearn all the techniques he had a shorthand for because he hadn't upgraded in so long that it was just so archaic. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons why I, I would upgrade every, if not every, every other version. Um, mostly because, uh, you know, a lot of the, the great stuff that, the, that Photoshop was bringing is they were making it more painter friendly because mm-hmm. from the get go, very, very photographer uh, driven. Um, and the latest versions, you know, I think they're they're uh, addressing the the fine artists more and more each time. So uh, I was happy to to upgrade. Um, I tend to wait, so I don't upgrade immediately. Mostly because um, uh, I work on, on a Mac with Photoshop and a Cintiq, and for the three softwares and drivers to kind of coexist. Um, I tend to wait for the first one or two versions to come out. So, like, I don't, I don't upgrade the OS immediately. I wait for that to go to like point two version before I upgrade to that because by then the kinks between uh, Adobe and Mac have been ironed out, mm-hmm. and the same and the same with uh, Wacom. So I'm I'm still I'm kind of uh, I'm very fearful of, of upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> What was it like in the early 2000s when you first started moving over and doing kind of more mainstream DC books as opposed to working on previous kind of Wildstorm titles? Like, what was that transition like, or was there much of a transition at all for you? Um, I uh, It was weird because it was DC bought Wildstorm in 98. Mm-hmm. Um, and right around then, uh, I didn't know that the purchase was coming, but uh, the... Uh, the higher-ups have given me the green light to do freelance for DC Comics because DC had approached me, and it was funny because it was a Vertigo line. Uh, uh, Vertigo editors were coming to me and asking for me to do some digital color work. Um, and, uh, again, I just jumped at the chance, thinking this will get my door, my foot in the door with DC, and, and sure enough, down the line, I was uh, 
uh, started to do more and more DC. Um, with that purchase, one of the kind of in-house rules that DC has is that you can't freelance in the same department that you work in. So that if I was coloring in the office, I couldn't freelance color uh, because there would there would be a conflict of interest. So DC, uh, Wallstar moved me into out of the coloring department into uh, I became one of the art directors for a design department, and um, so what that meant was that I stopped doing a lot of the Wildstorm work because it stayed in house with the with the coloring department. So I was doing most of the freelancing work that I was doing was for DC and then by then I was already coloring Astro City. So that was one of that was probably my only Wildstorm freelance book that I had. Hmm. That's interesting. It's an interesting maneuvering of how how to kind of accommodate freelancers in some way. Yeah, and it was great that that they did that for me, right? They could have just said, "Hey, sorry, no, you can't freelance anymore. We need you in the coloring department." It was more like, "Hey, because of this, we're going to move you here." And DC has said, you know, they're definitely going to keep you busy with freelance, and you're going to do this for us now. And it was cool because it gave me a different kind of challenge in the office, and I was still able to come home and, and do the, the stuff that I, that got me in the industry that I really loved doing, which was with the coloring. Mm-hmm. When when you're at DC in those kind of earlier days, how did you get approached or tapped to uh, to color over John Byrne in one of the Elseworlds? Uh, sorry, his Generation series. It was just an editor. Hey, you want to work with John Byrne on? And you know, after I heard John Byrne, I said yes. <laughs> could have said, said Scooby Doo, and I said yeah, sure. Uh, again, because I grew up reading John Byrne's run on Fantastic Four. Uh, and it was like, oh, this stuff is so cool. And, and I had read the first couple series of Generations um, uh, and really enjoyed them. So it, it was really cool to get calls like that. Like, the, uh, do you want to work with John Byrne on this? Do you want to work, uh, you know, the Terry Dotson, the call that came from, from Matt Eilson. Hey, I'm doing this book with Terry Dotson. It's Harley Quinn. I'm not sure if you know who that is. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, back then Harley was, you know, just the cartoon character. Absolutely, how times uh, have changed, huh? No kidding. Well, and you know, it goes to show she's been probably the one character that I've now worked on the most in my career. I guess so. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but I guess that's true. So it was, you know, in, in 1998. Is that when the book came out? 97, 98 is when the series started. Uh, and so when the book went on hiatus and when I heard that Jimmy and Amanda were bringing it back, I, I actually called the editor and I said, hey, if you don't have a colorist, I would love to come back to the character. <laughs> uh, and, they were, and they were cool enough to bring me in. And, and, you know, four years later, and I can't even tell how many issues we've done, 60, 70 some issues worth. Um, I'm still going. It's been a lot. Yeah. Now, um, how did you, uh, again, around that same time, how did you get tapped to uh, be the color artist on Identity Crisis? Because obviously that was a big thing when it came out in the early 2000s. That's a big title to be associated with. And especially at the time, any book with Crisis in the title was still a big deal, too. So how did that kind of call come? And what was it like working over Rags? Um, the, the call that came was from, Carlin was the editor, and he said, hey, so this this crime novel guy 
is writing a really cool book for us and he's a huge fan of yours and he wants you to work on the book, you kind of can't say no. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, well, okay, well, then I'm not going to say no. And then uh, I met, it was funny because like two weeks later, Brad was doing a book tour and he came to the bookstore that's like two blocks from the studio. Uh, and I went and I met him and, you know, I brought like a signed copy of Hush for him. Like, hey, thanks for asking for me, man. And, <laughs> uh, uh, and then seeing Rag's work on it and reading the story, it, it was such a great, I was happy that, you know, like, oh man, this is awesome to be working on it, on this. And uh, such a great series that Brad and Rags uh, and Mike put together. And, and again, really fortunate and, 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 and cool to work on, on, on such a cool project. For sure. Well, and your, your colors are really stand out in this book, especially because, I mean, uh, they add a lot of dimension. Like there's some shots of um, where you have Wonder Woman at, at a jail cell and you have the, the lasso and just the colors on the lasso as, as it's kind of gleaming in energy. And you don't actually see Diana herself. You just kind of see um, a shot of her by the back and you see the lasso and then you see it going around someone's neck and it's just shimmering off the page. It's beautiful color work. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Brad was like, dude, just mood. Mood, mood, mood. That's what this book's about. I'm like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was it like kind of using such deep colors? I mean, because as you said, mood is a huge part of this book, and the colors are a character here, because especially when you have the you know the tensions ratcheting up as it reaches its crescendo, it's all about that mood sensibility. So how did you kind of approach what colors to use and how to most flush it out? Uh, and... What I would, what I did on that book was, I, I kind of saved certain palettes for certain moments, uh, so that, so I, I went kind of very bright, 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 and then when the when the hard moment hit, I would drop out the the light and and desaturate uh, and go almost monochromatic on certain scenes, just to to almost hammer home the how hard that moment was for everybody or how uh, incredibly sorrowful it was. I, I mean, I'm thinking to the the shot of of, uh, uh, of of Ralph when he and his wife with Rags and with Brad, and he's like, "Oh yeah, do that thing you do on that when that in that five when he finds out, do that thing. Just just hold a moment with with just two or three colors." Um, so it was, it was cool. Again, it's that collaborative process. And, and what was different with this one is that Brad was really getting involved with it too. And something that usually the writer doesn't really get involved in it, uh, with the art, but it was cool to be, to be there with Brad and have Brad part, be part of it too. Mm-hmm. How did you know there, there's, um, uh, when you do, when one of the flashbacks you guys did with, uh, with Batman being kind of, uh, zapped by Zatanna, there's some beautiful color effects on the magic as she kind of stops them. And then later on when they kind of do a flashback to it, it's almost like you use, um, I don't know, I don't know the technical term, but it looks like kind of dotting on the, on the image to kind of give it a certain flashback feel. How did you, kind oh, of, yeah. how did you kind of get that to look just right? Cause it, it looks gorgeous, especially like, as I said, at the end where you have this flashback on, on uh, Batman, it's kind of a close-up during that sequence. And again, you get the dotting, which has a very kind of old-school feel to it. How did you? How were you able to kind of carry that out? Uh, it, I actually had to. I scanned some. Um, oh, I'm going to forget the term of the 
the, the sticker gradients that you the inkers used to use. Okay. Um, ah, what's that tough stuff, stuff called? So it, you used to be able to buy a sticker, and on a sticker, there's a bunch of little dots uh, for, for gradients or for just uh, shading. Is it for, uh, it's not for Zeta or something like that, is it? I keep. Uh, I can't remember either. Oh, uh, why can't I think of the name? Uh, anyway, so I scanned a couple sheets of that and created uh, a pattern and a brush with them, and then I just I would just then bring them in and and make sure that they were at the right angle so that when they printed they wouldn't moire. Um, but uh, I would just kind of use them as brushes and paint uh, and. And kind of harkening back to the old school comic books, I would just kind of overlay them on each other so that it would look like old school printing. Now, how do you even think to do that? Like, it looks phenomenal, and obviously, but like, how do you even come up with it in your mind and say, like, this is this is what I'm going to do in order to get this effect? Like, that seems like such an interesting uh, development to achieve a very specific result. Um, part of it is. Sometimes it's like, how the hell am I going to do this? And it's kind of trial and error. Let me try this. Let me try that. Uh, so I'm doing it just plain with a, like a plain brush. And if it works, then I'll, then I then I. So for this one, it was that. It was like, how can I make it look like it's overlaying ink? Uh, and so I tried it first in the large scale, and then once it worked, I scanned in the dots and then did it with the dots. Um, uh, but it was just kind of playing with the technology to see how much it would let me do, mm-hmm. uh, how much I could do. Uh, and then if, if, if it wouldn't let me do it, it was kind of like, all right, how do I fake it? <laughs> 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 so uh, I think, and that's what's, what I love about, about kind of working on the digital side of things is like a lot of the things weren't really established or invented or, or, you know, that problem hadn't arisen. So, all right, how are we going to do this now? Uh, and part of the fun was, you know, solving the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, another sequence I've always loved from Identity Crisis is that you have a shot of, um, of, of Dr. Light kind of sitting alone, and he's kind of slowly kind of is remembering and realizing things. But what has always struck me about it is how you lit the scene, because you have this character who's obviously named Dr. Light, and he's sitting kind of in the dark, but he's still got almost got like a spotlight on him. And it's just a really something about that image has always just struck me. And like, I'm just curious, you know, how much of that direction was again from Brad, or was that kind of your own idea? Like the idea of just having Doctor Light kind of sitting, ruminating, and then realizing something, and having this this kind of flicker of recognition in his eye. How much of the lighting was in the description? Uh, Brad had a lot to do with it, and then Rags picked up on it, and then I just kind of. Uh, joined in and and my thought with him was like if he's made of light then he never needs to have a light bulb in the room right because he can always he he is the light bulb in the room so i i thought if he's it then i don't need to to light him Mm -hmm. Uh, so the challenge with him was uh, uh, and with rags was like don't model him as much because i don't i want him to be the light as opposed to cast shadows on him means that the light's coming from something else or somewhere else. Uh, so that was, that, again, little cool things that you can, when you collaborate, when you actually speak to the, to the other artists, it's cool to tell them stuff like that because then it makes the artwork different from what's been done before uh, and unique uh, and very much in tune with what the story is about. Mm-hmm. 
Um, when you the fast forwarding a little bit in time, um, when you sure. when you're working on All Star Batman and Robin, the Boy Wonder, um, I'm always curious about the issue. I can't remember the issue number now, but uh, the issue where Batman basically puts uh, paints himself yellow when he confronts Green Lantern, and I'm just. <laughs> I'm just, I hated books for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious what that was like to have to illustrate it, so much of the panels just in yellow like that. Like, oh, how did that kind of uh, challenge you? It, it was hard because uh, when we go monochromatic, sometimes it's easy because it's just it's it's a, a value lesson. You know, you just you just go dark and light. But when yellow is the only color you can use, the value on that color is so light hmm. that. I ended up having to cheat and bring a little bit of orange into the yellow to 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 sell the the, the shadows. Um, it was it was fun to do, but it was so hard. Uh, and and when it was all done, I I I don't think I used yellow for like a month on anything else. Uh, <laughs> I got so sick of it. <laughs> uh, but it worked out. It looked it looked pretty cool, and and it was fun uh, to be able to pull it off. Oh, for sure. Um, what was it? now? You, you also worked um, on, on the Fifty Two series. What was that experience like, both doing covers and some of the interiors? So the covers are still some of my favorite work that I've ever done. Working with JG on those covers was so much fun. He changed his style, his approach from cover to cover, and and so each one was a challenge. He would just send it and go. Oh, this one's a this one's a propaganda poster, and so it was cool to to take what he gave me and then research it and then try and try and, and replicate the look and the feel. Uh, and so that volume of work when they collected that into a, a hardcover, I was like, this is one of my favorite hardcovers I've ever gotten of the stuff that I worked on, because <laughs> uh, that those covers were such a joy to work on. Um, with the interiors, it was the challenge was that it was it was twenty pages a week, and they had you know, I think about eight different artists with uh, twelve different anchors, and I was coloring the whole thing. Um, and uh, the ch- the what made it hard was that any other projects I was working on pretty much had to kind of take a second step. Uh, so I think I, I peeled back on some of the work that I was doing to just 52, anything Jim did in Astro City, and that was it. So it was, it was, it was a grind. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I realized you colored every issue. No, so I think I ended up doing uh, of the 52. I think I did like 41 of them. Oh, uh, what a slacker! <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Uh, and then, so we brought David Barron to help, and and we had to bring him in on the weeks when I had a Jim Lee book coming out that same week. Okay. So David would color those while I was doing something else, um, and then we were doing those backup stories too. So I did a, a stack of those too. Wow. Yeah, it was when I got that that omnibus of fifty two. I was like, holy smokes! About eight of the ten pounds this thing weighs are me. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you, you mentioned the covers being again some of the your favorite work you've done. Are there any particular ones that are kind of high up in the list? Um, uh, there's a ton, <laughs> and there's so many that I, I'm like, oh crap! Uh, how many can I say? <laughs> um, you know, the first trade paperback cover 
Was that the first trade paperback cover? Um, that uh, JG did it, and he said, Struzan. I want Struzan. And I totally went nuts with it because I'm a huge Struzan fan. Um, and I turned it in, and DC Legal said, it looks too much like Struzan. you got to change it. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> You're kidding me. It's like an ode to the guy. It's not like I'm swiping him. So they really made me change it a lot. Really? And, and it, it, the original is one of my favorites, but it never saw print. So it's the one that's printed is my least favorite because it, it takes the place of something that I, I work really hard on. Uh, wow. Uh, um, so much so that he sent me the original to that piece and he said, here, dude, they realized that it should have been, um, which was very cool of him as well. Mm-hmm. Any others that actually saw print? Uh, yeah, so there's the one with the... Um, well, the first cover was really cool to do. Uh, the first and the last. The first because it was it's very ominous uh, with with all the all the main guys' stuff just kind of sitting there, and then the last one with the with the tomb and all the all the heroes who passed away in the process of this of the series were, were really cool bookend covers. Um, oh my goodness! Uh, there was like a Vertigo one uh, with Animal Man that was pretty cool. There was one with Starfire, and there in the in the that planet, and one of the Celestials is coming over the. um, Oh yeah, over the jungle. That one was pretty cool. Um, Oh man, there are so many. Um, They're all kind of blending into each other. I mean, there were a lot of them. (laughs) There were. 52 of them. Well, no, 56 if you count the trade paperbacks. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the trade paper ones were kind of cool because the, it was a kind of uh, try and, and, and uh, summarize, you know, 13 issues with one cover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a tall task, that's for sure, especially when a book like that. I grab the book. Okay. The, the cover book, so that I can um, we talk about it. Uh, so the Luther one was really cool. With the, 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 the split. Yeah. So week nine was the one with the uh, uh, the celestial coming through. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the Batwoman was cool in that it was her first appearance. That's right. Yeah. So that was cool to do that cover with her on it. Um, oh yeah, week sixteen. So the questions in the foreground, and you have um, Black Adam and um, what's her name, Isis, as like a po- poster on the wall. Oh yeah, that's really cool. That one was fun. Uh, the week eighteen, which had to look like a uh, like a mystery novel. From like the 40s and 50s, and I got to distress, distress it and make it look like it's an old novel. That was pretty cool. Uh, week 20 with a giant eye is just fun drawing the eye or coloring the eyeball. 
Well, you use a great tone of, of green that kind of surrounding everything, because obviously the, the emerald eye is green, but then you have a nice kind of creepy tone of green emanating from it and enveloping everything on the screen, or on the on the page, I should say. Yeah, I just, from watching movies, I always loved that, when the color would kind of almost create a mood mm. of the piece, or just kind of envelop everybody. I, I always loved that about cinematography. And uh, so I, I steal a lot from movies when it comes to that. To, and green's such a creepy color that I, I use it, you know, when it's creepy or it's eerie or it's just kind of uh, not otherworldly, green will show up no matter what. Mm-hmm. And then week 25 was a cool one because it's a cool little image of the Halloween thing. But my daughter had asked me to teach her how to, to, to flat and she flatted that one for me oh really so that one was a collaboration with her on the cover and it was kind of cool to have to, to work with her and, and have it come out and, um, and I actually have uh, I got her to sign the cover for me and I have one that signed with her oh really that's that's so sweet yeah and then 28 it's the aborigine sitting in there and I love it because it's got nothing to do with superheroes it's just an aborigine dude Sitting on a mountain in Australia. <laughs> yeah, so there's, like I said, it's like every other page I'm like, oh, that one was cool. Oh, that one was fun because of this. Oh, I remember that. Uh, and here's the, so. It's funny if you cover of the trade paperback, and again, it's the cover that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a question. Um, yeah. Week week thirty seven. Um, how did you kind of achieve the, the the colors that are on here? I mean, it's such a really well built cover, um, beautiful colors. But how did you kind of? Decide how how to light it and how to make everything kind of reflect and uh, and uh, like you got supernova symbol uh, shining. Like how did you kind of break that all down? So the, the pod with uh, booster gold. Yeah. Like it's go- it's gorgeous. I'm you a little bit. Sorry. That's yeah, issue thirty-seven or week thirty-seven. So that one, I actually went very warm and gold on it. There's a lot of blue in it, and the yellow has a lot of blue in it. So I'm cheating with ambient light. Did I lose you? No, I. You got me. Hello. Yep. Okay. Okay. You sound like you're in a tin can. Yeah, it's been breaking up here and here and there, but for the most part, it's been holding up. So on that one, it was it, it, I just cheated the fire into the, everything that was the the shell of the of this um, the construct or the the robot thing, mm-hmm. uh, and then and um, in the on the inside, I really cheated the the loose JG sketches, and he would send me the sketches and 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 and, and say use this as your kind of jumping off point. 
and sometimes I would I would borrow heavily from him, and sometimes I would just kind of wing it uh, or go in a different direction. And 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 for the most part, we we really agreed on on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, another another specific question. Uh, week forty one. It's a, a beautiful shot of Rene Montoya in the in the cave. Um, how did you kind of approach exactly what kind of light to how to light this image? Because it's it's very it's a beautiful image and it's really kind of striking. But how did you kind of decide what shades to use uh, that would be kind of emanating inside this cave? Uh, so I think what I, what I asked the editor was like, "Is this? Can I make this like an ice cave? Can I make it just ice and and that way I can go all turquoise and all." Uh, on the kind of blue green spectrum and he said yeah go for it and and, and it just became a, a value piece where uh, montoya is the only one with really black in in full black inks and everything else to make it look like glass or ice it has the um has the liner color held to a to a lighter value um so it was just again when in going monochromatic it it pays off to no value just for a while and this was a, a nice kind of value and playing with the inks to mm-hmm. get it to look like this. Well, for sure. Now, as you're doing 52, how did you also handle to do, well, obviously you're working on a lot of books, but how did you also handle a book as big as uh, Justice League of America? Like That's a, that's a big launch. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was Brad coming to me and saying, hey, we're going to do Justice League of America. You got to be on it. What do you think? What do you think? And, and we're going to have... Uh, uh, we're gonna have Ed Bennis on it. What do you think? I'm like, all right, sure, let's do it. And, and um, uh, it's, I think my problem is I don't know how to say no sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll say it's like, yeah, I'll figure it out. And and for the most part, it's worked out. Um, and and I'm glad that I said yes to Justice League of America. It was a it was a very cool project, and I think. Uh, what's great about someone like Brad coming in and wanting to do this is that he's a huge fan of the characters in the book. So he's bringing all that energy from his reading days uh, and his experience and gift as a writer and just injecting it all into the story. Uh, and I think we all feed off of that great story, much like you know Jim Scott and I did off of Jeff's Hush script. Uh, let's flash forward a little bit more in the future as we're, uh, I, I know we're running out of time here, so. Hello? Uh, now, now I'm starting to lose you more. Hello? Now I can hear you, yes. Hello. Hello. Okay. Sorry. I'm right here. We, we keep uh, going in and out. Is that better? Uh, yes. Hello? That, that, yes. Okay. That seems, okay. That seems better now. Okay. All right. Um, I know... So I, I, I lost you after... Let's flash forward. 
that that's okay. Well, that's perfect. Um, I'll maybe just ask a couple more questions, and then we'll, uh, I guess, probably tie a bow in it for now. The, the connection seems to be deteriorating sure, sure, sure. quickly. Yeah, we have a little bit more time if you want. Um, it's only because of the connection that I think that maybe we'll, we'll cut it off, but I'll, I'll ask a few more questions. Okay. So, um, well, fittingly enough, flashing forward, what was it like working on a, a book that needed s- such strong colors as a book like Flash Rebirth? Because the colors really make so much of what makes this book really pop. Um... When they contacted me about Flash Rebirth, I, I always wanted to work with Ethan. I, I really enjoyed his work on, on Green Lantern, uh, and uh, and you know Jeff Johns. Who doesn't want to work with Jeff? Uh, so it was more of a, a, a hey, do you want to work with these guys on this book? And I was like, sure. And I never really had worked on the Flash before, uh, and uh, I found out how much I really loved The Flash, because at the same time, I had just started working on, on Blackest Night as well, and Flash made, especially early on in the, in the story, Flash was a major character in that story as well, so mm-hmm. I really wanted to do, I really loved whenever people drew The Flash as a ghosted image, uh, so that there's multiple flashes going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to do that in color so that it would look even more ghosted. Um, so it was actually one of those things where I, I, I talked to Ethan and I talked to Ivan and I said, hey, do you guys mind if I try something with the Flash? And they both said, yeah, go for it. And I was actually really taking their art, the, the, the color that was being that I was doing on the main figure and then replicating it and then shrinking it or, or slanting it and then blurring it and then doing it again and again and again so that it looks like there's like a little residual flashes as he's moving through. Uh, and it was, it was a pain in the butt to do, but I really loved how it looked. And, and I found out that I, that flash has become one of my favorite characters to color period. Mm. It, it's a fantastic looking book. I mean, the, the colors just, as I said, like they just uh, gleam right off the page and the way that you design and, and make the lightning and or again, really have it almost be a character unto itself is really something. No, well, thank you. Uh, again, it, it, I think it's that that whole. I had never done like a flash book and jumping on it was like, oh, I get to do them now, and this is me, just kind of throwing up everything that I wanted to do on the character right on them. Well, it really works, and it, again, it's 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 so it's it's so brilliant. Like I again, I I cannot get over how amazing the colors are on this book. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, how did you uh, how did you approach doing some of the the covers to uh, DCU Legacies? Because that's kind of an interesting book with you know very different stylistic changes in terms of um, the time period that's being depicted in it. Yeah, and I, with those it was the same, but with JG, I just kind of got in, in my different kind of age or different times uh, hat on, and all right, how do I make this look like it was? drawn and, or painted back then. So I looked at a lot of stuff, uh, like Rockwell stuff, and, and, and thought, you know, what would Rockwell do if he was painting a superhero book? Um, and that was kind of the approach I took. Well, it's very effective. Thank you. Because, again, it has, yeah, it has a very kind of unique look to it that really uh, kind of grabs the eye and, again, emana- uh, really uh, emulates those those historical periods that you're kind of uh, fitting those characters into. 
Yeah, and that was, was fun about it. I had to research all that stuff, and it was cool looking at it. And, and I looked at artists from that time and what they would paint, how they would paint. Um, so it was, it was again, very cool, a uh, cool challenge again. It's like, you know, uh, I think that's what I love about this medium and, and, and what a colorist kind of gets to do is we kind of get to play with, with, with the style a lot. I don't necessarily have a specific style. Uh, my child, my style tends to morph according to the artist that I'm working on. Hmm. Now, we, you were the, also the color artist on Flashpoint, and it's interesting, you know, for the most of that event, you, d you don't really get to see the Flash actually using his abilities and actually getting to use that kind of distinctive uh, coloring techniques he used on Rebirth. So what was it like kind of, um, you know, telling this story of a darker DC universe um, and, and not being able to kind of use the, the, the brighter tones of the Flash for much of it? Um. That was, you know, a lot of it was kind of in the script. Uh, Jet had said, hey, this is like a huge thing. I'm like, we're talking about, it's just, trust me, we're going to end the universe. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. And he goes, so, you know, go go really moody with the stuff. Uh, you know, uh, the, the story is going to reflect it. The art's going to reflect it. And I was like, oh, cool. And it, it was actually very cool to read Jeff doing this. Uh how how kind of dark everything could be or would be, uh, and then so it, it, I kind of ended up doing the opposite, right? Like, oh, the regular universe is, is has these kind of palettes. You know, what would the opposite of this palette be? And that's what I'm going to use for this scene. And and this palette is for you know when he's running. Let me flip it and use it for when it's on the other side. So it was it was it was cool to to not have like a set of rules, be able to just kind of, kind of throw them out the window and say, Oh, we kind of can make stuff up because it's a completely different universe. Um, and, and that was cool to do. And, and, and since then it's been cool to watch the TV show do flashpoint and, and <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, <laughs> and bark from the comics. It's, it's always cool to see like, Oh, I worked on that. <laughs> Um, and then obviously you got to you got to work with Jim again on uh, on Justice League when it got launched with Jeff Johns as well. And what was that like, kind of getting to be on? You know, that was kind of the the big linchpin book when that when that came out, the big spine of the New Fifty Two. So what was that like getting to be part of that process? That was um, Jim doing a team book, and and Jim never skims or cuts corners. Uh, so it was hard in that there was uh, a lot, a lot going on, uh, and, and so to make it work, all the characters there, and 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 you know, parademons and sharks and <laughs> and, and all this stuff. Uh, the challenge was to help continue to tell the story with color without uh, without messing stuff up, um, and and uh, the deadlines were pretty tough on this project particular book, uh, especially once we got towards the end of the run. Um, so it was, it was, it was a, a challenge. Um, it's, it's hard to do a team book. It's hard to do a team book. Um, when, when the art is so precise, cause then I can't, um, I can't cut corners. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta nail it right every time. Um, but having said that, 
it's some of the coolest looking visuals that that Jim Scott and I have done uh, in our career. So it's it was cool to do. You know, I think the scene where Superman is coming out of the smoke and Batman's in the foreground from that second issue. Mm. Uh, uh, a lot of people come to me and say, "Oh, that's like my favorite." shot ever in a comic book uh so it's it's cool that that people pick up on stuff like that for sure now what was it like um coloring nicola scott in uh, earth 2 i love nicola i love her start her art her style is so good uh and um i was brought in to the project uh a little i, I can't remember who had been on it and they said no we we really like you to to be in the book and and uh, I just I loved her art. It was a, a, a different kind of energy, a really cool energy. So I just kind of uh, borrowed some of that energy and, and 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 tried new stuff with her art. Um, but her stuff is so very classic looking and yet so dynamic mm-hmm. um, that I it was weird. It, it didn't feel like work when I was doing stuff with her. It just. I was like, oh, I love doing this. I really <laughs> love doing this. Uh, uh, and so, and, and I miss I miss working on, on, on stuff with her because every time I see the books that she works on, it's just like, oh, she is so good. I got to go back and work with her again. <laughs> so how did you get lured back to Harley Quinn? I actually asked if I could be on the book. I found out that they were going to relaunch the book. And... Um, Harley, like I had mentioned before, is such a big part of my career. Um, my youngest daughter is named after Harley. Oh, really? uh, my wife was pregnant with her while I was working on the original series with, with Carl and Terry and, and Rachel. And um, and uh, my wife really liked the name, and she said we should name her after the character. And I was like, oh, you're crazy. I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> But, but the name really grew on me, and, and so we named her that, and I, and, and, and I love the name. And um, Hush, uh, my work on Harley really is what kind of led to led me to come back and work with Jim and Scott, because I actually hadn't worked with them for a couple of years. Uh, but they said that what I was doing on Harley really, really spoke to them and would work perfectly with what they wanted to do with Hush. So she led me back to Jim and Scott and to Hush, which has become probably what people identify me with, with them, identify me with the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when they, I found out that they were doing a new book, I immediately emailed the editor and I told her, "Hey, I really want to be on this book. If you don't have a colorist, please put my name in the hat. Let Jimmy and Amanda know that I would love to work with them." And uh, sure enough, they said, "Yeah, do let's do it." Uh, you know, and, and it, it's been such a cool experience. It's been such a, it's been so great to see the character go from being a sidekick to the most pot, one of the most popular female characters in the DC universe, uh, in the span of four years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to see. And it's been such a a fun and enjoyable book, which is not always something you see these days. (laughs) And that's what I loved about it. They're like, hey, this isn't going to be your run-of-the-mill book. This is We're going to push things and try things and 
they're not going to let us do some of the stuff that we want to do, but we're going to try to anyway. Uh, uh, and I was like, dude, let's do this. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> I was like in high school and all these guys want to go, <laughs> go, uh, spray paint the walls of the school. Or, yeah, I'll do it with you. <laughs> now, now with them now leaving, are you going to be leaving the book as well? I'm staying on, on the book. Uh, the, uh, our editor Chris Conroy, who is one of the best guys I've ever worked with, he was like, uh, "Jimmy and Amanda are leaving. Their last issue is 34. I would love to have you stay, but I understand if you want to go elsewhere." And I was like, "Dude, are you kidding me? I'm staying. You're gonna have to kick me off the book to get me off of it." Because, <laughs> uh, uh, like I said, she's been such a big part that I'm willing to see where she goes next. For sure. And uh, I'll have a last question, but what was it working on uh, the coming of the Superman? I think the coming of the Superman was a tough challenge. Um, I, I, Neil is one of my favorite artists of all time. Uh, I, his, my work is really influenced by his penciling work, what he did with Batman. Uh, early on is, is some of my favorite Batman books that I've read growing up. Uh, when I when I when I would draw, I would open up to his Batman stuff, and I want and I try to replicate what he was doing. So to work with him, it was such an exciting thing for me. I, I was really looking forward to it, and, and the art that he was doing was incredible. And, and so, um, as I was working on it, um, I, I got kind of got a feeling that. Anytime I do any work, I actually send JPEGs to the artist to look at so that they can make sure that they like what they see. Mm-hmm. That, you know, again, it's part of the co- collaboration. We all want to make sure that, that we like the work uh, as a whole and that it represents all of us properly. Um, and I was excited to hear what he thought of my work. And, and initially, uh, his comments were very, uh, very complimentary. He really liked what was going on. And as the book progressed, the the comments that I was getting on were different and, and it, I just felt that they weren't coming from him and that someone from his studio was looking at it and trying to make changes to make it look like how they would have colored it as opposed to, hey, we're collaborating. What do you think of trying this? Mm. Uh, so I actually then leaving the book because I felt that I wasn't working with, with Neil really. I was working with someone from his studio and I didn't sign up to do that. Mm. So it was it was a little bittersweet. Uh, at least I got to do work with Neil, and and I think whenever I interacted with him directly, it was a great experience. Uh, unfortunately, I think that he's so busy that he maybe didn't have time to um, to look at the color work and and assigned it to someone else. But the person they assigned it to, to did not respect the collaborative process as much. Um, this is going to seem like a silly question, but um, I mean, obviously, we've talked about a lot of your collaborators so far. Who are kind of your your if you your top collaborators to work with? Obviously, Jim and Scott, but who else is kind of on that kind of Mount Rushmore of your of your favorite collaborations that you've had thus far? Oh, I mean, obviously, Jim and Scott are are, are at the top. Uh, I always love working with Terry and Rachel Dodson. Uh, they're fun. Fun artwork. They're actually great people. We, we, we chat at every San Diego and kind of catch up. And uh, uh, Andy Kubert is is oh, 
what a great guy, what an amazing artist. Uh, and uh, I think the two Andy books that I work with, Sandra Hope inked him. So, you know, that team up for me is, is, is so ideal. Hmm. Um, uh, I love working with Ivan and Joe on Blackest Night. Um, and, and that's the only thing we've worked on other than a couple covers here and there. So it's almost like a taste in my mouth that I'm like, oh, I want to do this again with you guys. And <laughs> just The timing never has worked out since. Um, oh, there's so many I love you know Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is is one of my heroes so working with him on that one issue of, of Batman 66 the Batman 2 face oh yeah yeah was like I was giddy with every page I was a little kid again <laughs> uh, and, and I loved working with him and, and I keep telling him that it's like just just, just call me I don't care what you're drawing <laughs> uh, so he's up there He's up there because he's not only, uh, as an artist, a hero of mine and, and someone that I that I remember fondly reading a lot of his stuff. He's such a cool person. He's such a nice guy, so approachable, so nice, uh, so humble uh, that, that it's cool to work with, with people like that as well. Um, and then Chad, Chad's a blast on, 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 on Harley because he was always pushing stuff with Jimmy and Amanda. Uh, and obviously, Jimmy and Amanda's covers, I, I look forward to calling every one of those covers. Because <laughs> uh, she's, she's one of my favorite people in comics. Her and Jimmy and Amanda are one of my, my favorite couple in comics. Very cool. Now, um, uh, as a, what's, uh, I mean, you've obviously covered so many uh, different works throughout the years. Which would you say is one of the most challenging yet rewarding experiences you had? Hush was, was rewarding for me as, as, as a fan and as uh, a collaborator with Jim and Scott. Blackest Night is probably the hardest series I've ever had to color. Oh, really? Uh, but, when, but when it was printed, I was so proud of the work and so happy with how it looked. Uh, it was hard because... There were about four or five issues where all the lanterns were using their rings. Mm. So I had seven light sources, <laughs> and, and and I I I broke so many color theory rules, so many lighting rules to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> I never uh, thought about that, but I guess yeah that that must be that must have been quite the challenge. Yeah, and I don't know what I would have done without. Uh, Concert videos. I watched so many concert videos to see how colored light behaved uh, in, on skin, on metal, on, on cloth. Uh, and, you know, how does red light next to green light work uh, in the same at, uh, setting? So I, I did, I rented a ton of concert videos and just watched them. And, and it was funny because half the time I wasn't listening to the music, I was so focused on what the light and color was doing. Wow, that's really fascinating. Yeah, and so the, it, it was it was hard, but when it was all printed, uh, it's still some of the stuff that I'm the most proud of. Uh, and then recently, working with Frank Miller and and and, and Klaus on on Dark Knight Three mm. to see my name under you know Miller Jansen Sinclair is like woo, you know, fifteen <laughs> year old me just just fainted and high-fived me and... <laughs> uh, 
it's, it's like you're kind of you're ticking off the boxes of working with you know your heroes. Yeah, it is. I, I've, I've been so so fortunate to be to, to work with so many of these great artists and writers that uh, I you know I could die now and say it was a good it was a good run. <laughs> so what uh, what characters at DC kind of. Uh, do you wish you'd have a chance to color? Because you've colored so many. Because you've done the big events, you've done so many different characters, you've done team books. Who you know? Who haven't you had the chance to to color that you'd really like to sink your teeth into? Um, uh, I would love to do an ambush bug. <laughs> 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 I still love that one special that they had, uh, the ambush bug special. Uh, back when you could print stuff like that and get away with it. Uh, so I think that's probably the one character I haven't colored for DC. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. Uh, Although, wasn't uh, wasn't he in 52 at some point? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I feel like he might have been. <laughs> oh, man. If he did, then I'm, then I'm set. Uh, no, uh, you know, I love, I love Hawkman. I'm going to get to do the Hawkman book with Hitch. So I'm looking forward to going back to that character. Uh, I did a little bit of it in the uh, the uh, casting and the forge, mm-hmm. uh, but I really hadn't touched the character since uh, since Identity Crisis. Um, so that's uh, I, I, I can't wait to get back to the Hawkman character, where the book's really based around him, and I don't even know what the art looks like. Uh, but Brian, knowing that Brian's on it, is, is such a cool thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have I really didn't do that much with Legion of Superheroes, uh, but I'll be honest, I never really read a lot of those books growing up. Um, so I don't know that I'm drawn to them as much. I would love to do ti- another t- run on Titans. That was fun. Yeah, uh, I, I did four or five issues of Titans, and that was a ton of fun. And I, I really like those characters too. Um. Yeah, and I'm always happy to go back to Batman. If anyone offers me a run on a Batman book, uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, as, a, as a closing kind of question, what was it? So you got to do one of the covers to uh, the Commandy Challenge, Chapter 8. Uh, what was it like kind of developing the colors for that? Because it's obviously very much a, kind of a throwback colors scheme. Yeah, and that was the kind of, Jim said, um, look up Kirby stuff. Make it Kirby. <laughs> uh, and, I'm like, and I'm like, okay, and and so it's it's cool to to have that challenge, right? I make it look like Kirby, but you know the art's kind of modern, so we're kind of make make it a kind of a today meets Kirby uh, look, and 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 there was a little bit of going back and forth where I turned in the first draft of the colors, and Jim's like, ah, tweak it more, push it more. I want it to be more, more, more Kirby. I'm like, okay. So I just kind of kept pushing it until he said, oh, yeah, you're there. <laughs> um, so that, that's been, you know, always fun to do. Well, it's an interesting blend because, like, you look at the water effects and they look, again, so modern. And then you look at the background behind them and the, um, I don't know what it's called, but the kind of the, the weird color effects with the, the kind of the black dotting. And that's that, the kind of old school Kirby effect right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, every now and then I get, like, a, there's a, a Suicide Squad variant by Wills Portacio that, that Mark Chiarella sent me. He said, think old school monster movie posters. And I was like, oh, sweet. Uh, and, you know, just go back and, and 
just those garish colors that they use on the posters. I was like, oh, all right, how do I make this work? <laughs> uh, so I, I really enjoy those challenges because it reminds me of that. That it goes back to that covers the '52, where each cover was a little bit of a nostalgia um, piece, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, gotta research it so I can make it look like what it's supposed to and what, what was intended by the artist. Yeah. So, so what, uh, what, what, uh, upcoming works can we look forward to seeing your colors on? So I'm continuing on Harley Quinn. Until uh, they take it away from you. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, I am doing the, the Jetsons miniseries. That's a six issue series that, uh, will hit the stands in a month. Oh, wow. What's that? Um, like? what? That's being written by Jimmy and Amanda. Wow. What's it like kind of, like, I mean, I guess we'll see it in a month, but what's it like coloring the Jetsons? It's cool. The story is actually really different than the cartoon. Um, but the artist is, um, he's, uh, Italian. And, um, so I'm going with a very European palette, uh, like a different level of saturation that I'm used to working with, but uh, I, I like how it fits the art and, 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 and it pushes me into like certain colors that I'm not comfortable using, but that's always such a cool thing. To I love being challenged like that mm-hmm. uh, and pushed. So I'm enjoying that. Uh, I'm also starting um, the colors on Xerxes with Frank Miller. Oh wow! Um, so he's 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 writing and drawing the prequel to 300. Very nice. Obviously, obviously, he liked your work on Dark Knight enough to have you come aboard. I know. I'm like, oh, I'm still like pinching myself. Oh, I'm coloring because <laughs> <laughs> you know Lynn Barley is such a huge influence on my work. Uh, an amazing lady and an incredible artist, like a true, true artist. And 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 so to have him think enough of my work to to work with him on this, uh, knowing who he's worked with in the past is. Is again just pinch me, pinch me every every morning when I get to, to work on that stuff. It's like oh, <laughs> you have no idea how I get paid to do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last thing, uh, Immortal Men with with Jim and Scott. Uh, that's coming up in uh, in a few weeks. Very nice. Well, we look forward to uh, to all that work. It sounds like a it sounds like an exciting workload that pushes you in different directions. It does, and I think that's why I like coloring. Uh, if I was penciling, I'd only be doing like one book a month. But with with the color, I can do uh, not only can I do two, three books a month, I get to work with uh, two, three different art teams, and that's I think that's the probably the, the my favorite part of the the entire thing is, is the collaboration. Excellent. Well, Alex, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us today, and it was uh, a real treat to be able to talk about some of these amazing uh, pieces you've done in the past and being able to get your You're insights on them. Thank you so much for having me um if, feel free to give me a holler if you have a couple follow-ups or need me to clarify anything absolutely will do thank you so much all right take care man take care